You know Trenton? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Trenton is a model. You know what I mean by that? And he does look like a supermodel. Trenton is a model for you. What is a model? A model is someone who presents something for you to follow. Do this. Be like this. That is what Trenton is. So this guy, how many years do you have? Seven years as a camper, two years on staff, crushed it on staff, by the way. Met his wife here. Um, and he is here because the love of God is, is overflowing, and he loves you kids. What do you do for a living? Make coffee. He makes coffee in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what Trenton would do, he's doing it in the name of Jesus. And, and you can tell just when you're around him that this guy loves the Lord. I think, I think Trenton knows that he is worthy. He's worthy of this calling. And he's a herald. The Bible says, Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Our God reigns. Does our God reign? Yes, yes he does. You are heralds. The spirit that lives within Trenton is within you guys. I'm talking about all of y'all. God breathed life into you. His spirit dwells in you. You are not just His creation. You are His child. Did you know that? And Trenton, who is alive and well in the spirit, is, is going to be speaking to your spirit. Let your spirit listen to the spirit. Okay, Because that we are of one spirit. I don't want to get too crazy with the spirit talk, but I'm just telling you, this guy is in the spirit, and he, let him awaken your spirit. He is a herald. Let's pray over this brother. Uh, Father, we love you, and we are here. In the name of Jesus, we are gathered on this mountain, and we're about to hear you speak truth to us. Uh, because you're good, and you call us good, um, and you love us, and you care for us from fifth graders, uh, to graduates, to all of us old people in the back. And God, we need you. We need, we need your assistance. We need your help. Uh, you, we seek your counsel. Uh, Michael McCoy, Chad Montana, uh, Candace Dobbs, Jan McCoy, Waylon, me, all these people that are on staff at camp and every single counselor, they are calling out to you asking for your assistance. God, we cannot do this by our own power. We ask for your assistance. We ask for your help. Awaken us to the reality of who we are in Jesus, Lord. And that is what we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you, Trent. Love you, Joy. Thank you, Joy. Can you hear me? Yes? Yeah, yeah. Good? All right, sweet. Do you believe what you just said, that you are a child of God? Yeah. Do you believe that He loves you? Yes. Do you believe that the guy that loves you is the one who rose that mountain, that rock, out of the ground by His Word? Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. And do you believe that He's brought you here for a purpose and a reason? I promise you it has. I hope that you have the faith and the belief that that is true, and it's truer than anything you're going to hear anybody say this week, if, or this next two, these next weeks. If you hear anything at all, I hope it is that you are loved beyond belief, beyond what you can fathom about love, what the world says love is. You are loved by the guy who made this. Just look out there for a second. Don't look up here. Look out there at Hermit's Peak, at Johnson's, at El Cielo. You might hike those in a few days. But that guy made that with his word for you to look at and to give glory to him. These trees praise him. Okay, I'll get into what I'm going to talk about tonight. We're talking about faith. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you a story that I think we kind of look over in the Bible, we kind of gloss over, and it comes in Matthew, and it's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus has been up there. Have you heard the Sermon on the Mount? If you haven't, you need something to do tonight, get out your Bible, read the Sermon on the Mount. It's awesome. It'll blow your mind. Okay, it's simple, but it's profound. A lot of the things in life that are true are that way, and we overlook it. There's not many cliches. They're just simple truths, right? Okay, so we're talking about tonight. It's in Matthew chapter 8. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is coming down into Capernaum, Capernaum, and this centurion comes to him. And the centurion says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in great suffering. Jesus turns to him and says, I will go and heal him. The centurion stops him and says, Lord, I'm not worthy. I do not deserve you to come under my roof. I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. I have men under me. I tell this one go and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I tell my servant, do this, and he does it. And it says, Jesus was astonished at what the centurion said. Jesus was astonished. When we read that, astonished isn't felt bored Jesus with the white robe and blue stash, like, oh, wow, you're so sweet to say that. Thank you. No, what Jesus, Jesus is astonished. He is shocked. It's a, it's a thriller movie plot twist. It's jaw-dropping moment, astonishment. Jesus is astonished at the words that just came out of the centurion's mouth. And Jesus says, Jesus turns to the crowd. He says, never in all of Israel have I seen such faith. Never in all of Israel have I seen such faith. For many will come from the east and the west, and they will sit at the banquet table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he turns back to the centurion and he says, go, for it will be done just as you believed it would. And at that very hour, his servant was healed. Now, there's something that Jesus says in that passage. Just a second. The wind is awesome, and that's the voice of God. And if you're distracted at all, listen to that, because that's the voice of God, okay? But what Jesus says in there is incredible. He says, I have not seen such faith. Never have I seen such faith in all of Israel. That's a bold statement. Whoa, more faith than John the Baptist, his cousin, who went around baptizing in the name of God. More faith than the disciples who had been following him day and night at his heels, eating every meal with him. He's saying he has more faith than all those people, all those crowds, those thousands of people that have left their homes, left their livelihoods just to hear him speak. He's saying this centurion, this Gentile, this non-Jew, this non-believer who probably only heard word of Jesus has more faith than any of those people in all of Israel. That's a bold, bold statement. And so, today in class and this session, I hope you seek to know and seek to search what your faith is, where your faith lies. Okay, we talk, Dylan talked about heroes on Sunday. You put faith in heroes and they'll let you down. I love you a lot, but I can't love you perfectly and I'm going to let you down. People in this group, your friends around you, everybody around here loves you, but they will let you down, but there's one guy who won't, right? Okay, and that's where you put your faith means a lot. Okay, and James in the book of James, writes this about faith. And you may have read it in class today, but I'm going to read from it. It's James chapter 2, and at the top of it in your Bible, some Bibles it says faith and works. Okay, we're going to talk about this. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? 
In the same way, faith by itself, it is not, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled and says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And what I want to talk about tonight is just kind of clarify some stuff. Because I think when we read James chapter 2, faith and deeds, we see it as an either-or kind of passage. It's faith versus deeds, right? Have you, have you ever read that and heard that or had someone preach that to you? Because I think it's been preached that way before. And it's not really true at all, okay? So what James is talking about is faith and deeds together, okay? Sorry, I gave my notes. And what is that? We're asking, what does that really mean? The, the Jews really had that phrase that said, go, keep warm and well-fed, I wish you well. And they said that to each other. Like We say, adios amigos, stuff like that. When we wish somebody... Uh, peace, peace out, something like that. That was their phrase in passing or whatever, okay? That's what they'd say to each other. And it became just so overstated that it meant nothing to them. And James is saying, good intentions are not enough. Do you hear that? Good intentions in your faith are not enough. He's not comparing faith versus works. You look at, in my class this morning, we read Hebrews 11. Does anybody know what that's nicknamed? Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11. What's that nickname? The Faith Hall of Fame, right? Okay, that's where the MVPs of faith are. They're listed in that chapter, okay? Uh, what, <laughs> what we talked about this morning is Hebrews 11 and the gospel that the heroes of old, that those heroes of old lived out, and the gospel, that means the truth that Jesus came and lived and taught and preached, was not a subtractive gospel. Was not a subtractive gospel. Okay, now you may say, all right, Trin, what's that subtractive gospel mean? This is a math class, right? Okay, subtractive gospel is means Abraham wasn't a man who was credited righteous because he didn't do certain things. Abraham was a righteous man oh because he stubbed his toe one time and he didn't cuss. Abraham wasn't a righteous man because one time somebody uh, left a dollar bill sitting on the counter and he, just, he left it there. You know he didn't do those things. He didn't steal. He didn't cuss. He didn't cheat. Okay, he didn't look at women the wrong way. No, Abra it says Abraham was righteous because. He acted in faith. He offered up his son Isaac in faith. He had the throat to his son's he had the dagger to his son's throat in faith that God would provide and he did. Okay? We are not at, we are not to live a subtractive gospel. Uh, I mean, not doing things is good. It's necessary. It keeps you from letting sin have a foothold in your life, and that's that's good, right? But if you just sit back and live that faith out with a lip service and profess God but do nothing for each other nothing for the world around you that is dying in sin and that is lost that means nothing and that's what James is saying here it's faith and deeds and we ask well, how, how do my how does my faith how, how do my actions show that I have faith Jesus says it Jesus says love your enemies do good to those who hate you feed the hungry sit with the widows and orphans 
your faith lived out in action means you can answer the question, do you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself? Do you hurt when the poor hurt as much as you love yourself? Do you hurt with others? Do you really love one another as much as you love yourself? Because I think we love ourselves a lot. I have been guilty of loving myself a lot. Ask yourself that question too. He mentions that he references the Shema in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Do you believe that God is one God? What does he say after that? He says, "Good." Even the demons believe that, right? Demon cast the demons, or Jesus cast the demons out of the possessed man into the pigs. But before he does that, he, the the demon possessed man says, "What do you want with me, Lord of the Most High, Son of the Most High?" He recognized, the demons recognized that. If we walk around saying, I believe Jesus Christ is the God, I got this little silver necklace, scored a touchdown, peace, glory to God, right? Okay? That means nothing, okay? Love your neighbor as much as yourself. Do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies. Feed the hungry. Sit with the widows and orphans. That is true faith. What the centurion did is surrendered his own authority to one whose authority was greater. He recognized that he had an issue he couldn't fix. He was powerless to fix. Does anybody know what a centurion is? Anybody out there history geeks like I am? Centurions were Roman officers. Somebody said Roman officer. That's right. Centurion. Centimeters. Uh, cents. He was over 100 men, right? 60 centurions made a legion. Okay, This guy had a lot of power. He was a Roman official. He was over men and land, probably Capernaum. So this dude could have come up to Jesus and said, uh, Rabbi, teacher, magician, healer. But what? how did he address Jesus when he met him? He said, Lord, he knew that Jesus' authority was greater than his own. I think he heard word of what Jesus was saying on the Sermon on the Mount. And so he had an issue that he was powerless to face. And if you haven't had an issue that you're powerless to face, some sort of pain that you have no answer for, some sort of question that you cannot find the answer for, some sort of hurt that you can't fix, that the world can't fix with all of its transient and passing pleasures, if you haven't found one of those, you will. So there will be something that lies at home paralyzed. There will be something that paralyzes you. And it matters where you put your faith in. Because you profess God, but what is really in the core of your being, what you really have your faith in, is going to come out in your actions. Faith is like a tree. Your faith is the tree, and actions are just fruit that is that bear. It's the pine cones that fall on our heads, okay? Faith is the fruit. I mean, faith is the tree. Deeds of the fruit. It's the same thing. It's together. It's not either or. Don't get confused on that. It's, a, it's not a subtractive gospel. It's an active gospel. Outdoing things for one another. Loving each other in concrete ways. If you want to see examples of faith, look at all the permanent staff here. Look at these teachers that have volunteered and taken time. They have faith. I'll let you in on a secret. None of us know what we're doing. Okay? I had no idea what I was doing when I was a counselor here. And I guarantee you nobody here has any idea what they're doing. But I guarantee you that they have faith in someone who is greater. That they have faith in someone who has the answers. That they look to and they lean on the creator of the universe who came to earth, who died on a cross, who rose and left an empty tomb. They have faith in that guy that rose that rock out of the ground with his word that you said you believed in. Okay? And by that faith, they are able to do the things they are able to do and speak to you as vessels, as Joy said, heralds in your life, right? And you can do the same thing at home. This is, Blue Haven is where you come to prepare. 
Blue Haven is where you come to be encouraged and surround one another and pour yourself out so he can fill you up. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I'm not sure. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope you have that faith that will produce the works that Christ has called you to. Okay? There's also a little passage in Matthew 17. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move, and it will move from there or here to there. Nothing will be impossible for you. I, I kind of believe that if we really had the faith that Jesus is talking about, we could literally move a mountain. But I think there's things in our life that we cling to, that we put our trust in, those idols that we worship, right, that distract us, and our faith isn't complete. It says, seek the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, right? We sing that. Not some of your, not some of your heart, some of your soul, some of your mind, some of your strength on Sunday mornings when you stayed up too late watching Netflix or worse, okay? It's seek the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, your strength, and He will provide. You don't have to have a lot of faith. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have faith. It has to be present and willing to step up when asked to do big things in God's name. I hope you know that. So live, if, you, if you have a living faith, like we talked about, James is not talking about faith versus works. He's talking about faith and works, a living faith versus a dead faith. And if you have that living faith, you will live a changed life, I promise you. Because your faith is in something greater than what you, you can comprehend. Okay? I'll close with this. In Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all, who, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Listen to the order that Jesus says that. He says, first, take my yoke upon you. Then, learn from me. Jesus is saying, put your faith in me. Follow me. Lay down yourself. Look more like me. And then you will learn. Then I will teach you. Then I will show you what it is to be more like me. You just have to be present. You've got to show up like the centurion did, humble and appealing and knowing that you are powerless to solve any issue that you have, to place your faith in something greater, and he will provide. He will heal what is paralyzing you. And it's only if you seek him. That's only if you knock. Because he will answer. I promise. I promise. None of us have it figured out, but we do know who to trust. We love you very much, and I hope that you believe in him and really have the faith that you're talking about. Love you guys.